That was really nice. Thank you, Cassie. Cassie put that together. Um, that's the first time I've seen it, and I think that's really great to, that you can hear from the people that are, that are joining. Um, and I hope that, you know, as we kind of get into this, I hope that you feel inspired. You know, they've been visiting with us, and they've been watching you, and they say, these are the people that I want, I want to, to be a part of. And so I want you to think over um, the example that, that we're setting, that you're setting on a, on a regular basis, um, and think about how we're inspiring people, um, and think about somebody else that maybe you know, needs to have that place that just doesn't know about it. So we're really excited. One of the things, unfortunately, one of the things that you're not going to get to be a part of is at the, at the second service, Justin Moody that was, that was on here uh, has written a special song for the church. Uh, for his, his time together. He's written a song, and he's going to do it at the second service. I'm going to try and talk to him about then next Sunday coming in and doing it for you as well. Um, but it's a really pretty song. So we're really excited. Um, but that's kind of a, a, a real gear shift, right, from the exciting things of, of membership, and now we're, how about we talk about suffering? What a, what a wonderful transition, right? But here's the thing. We... Suffering is an adult conversation, right? I mean, you know, sometimes we can stay at very surface level and we can always, you know, just, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But every so often as disciples, we need to go deeper. We need to understand the life that we live. And last Sunday, I, I talked about how all of us go through this time of difficulty. Is there anybody here that hasn't known somebody that has gone through a, a very dark time, a time of grief, a time of, of basically suffering? And there's a definition really for suffering. Suffering happens when your worldview, the way you see the world, or the way you think the world ought to work, does not jive with the circumstances that you have, and you're powerless to change it. For example, for the most part, for the most part, most of us believe that we're going to live forever. I mean, I know that you can say, no, I know that that's going to happen, but we don't actually live that way. We don't actually think that way. And if you're a teenager, right, one of the biggest problems is teenagers tend to feel that they're going to live forever. And so uh, sometimes they do very crazy things. And so what happens is, is if somebody comes in and, and they've gotten a, a bad medical report or something has happened and they're grieving, it's because their circumstances don't, don't match with the life that they're actually living, the, the way they imagine it to be, that life should always be good, life should always be the way it is today, you're here this morning because life is good, you're healthy, you're happy, things are going well, things are going in your direction, but if that changes... You always ask the same question, why? Why me? Why them? Why now? Why am I suffering? And so we go through these questions and we ask as Christians, we say, God, why is this happening to me? Now, I believe that all of us at some time in our life ask that question. I think it's just a natural human condition that all of us wrestle with why bad things happen to good people. We understand if, if bad things happen to bad people, that's the way things ought to work. But we kind of say, but for good people, why, why does God allow bad things into our lives? And so last Sunday, we, we talked about the book of Job. The book of Job um, is a book for adults, 
right? There's, there's just no other way around it. it. It deals with deep, deep issues, things that you can't just kind of gloss over um, with very, you know, pat answers, with little, with little quips or quotes. It's things that you have to wrestle with and try to understand, and there's this, this, this struggle that is happening in Job's life. We talked about last time, um, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back on and, and the, the sermons are posted, take, take a, a listen and understand the purpose of Job's book is that, that there's a, a, Satan approaches God and says that you can't trust these people. They, they gather and they say that you, they love you, but they're only doing it to get something out of you, to get something from you. Um, imagine if somebody came up to, to, uh, f- to get engaged for marriage, but only in order to, be, to get part of the estate. You know, if, if they got married, then they would certainly get part of your estate. Well, there's a tension that develops about why are they, do they not, they don't love you for you, but for the things that they're going to get. And so the book of Job is a struggle to understand what is really at the foundation of our faith. Why are we here this morning? What is it that we're looking for? What is it that you want from our time together? As we come into worship and we experience the presence of God, what is it that we are looking for? Are we just hoping to, to come and do enough time that, so, that someday in the future we'll end up going to heaven? Well, if heaven is your goal, then you're still asking to get something from God and not for God's presence himself. And the book of Job brings that out and, and it creates questions in us that we have to deal with. Now, to understand this, to, to realize what is going on through the flow, this is a problem that has permeated all of Scripture because it's, it's natural to the human condition. As a matter of fact, we find that in the New Testament, as Jesus is walking around, the disciples come up and there's a, there's a beggar, there's a blind beggar on the side of the street. And they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, look at this blind beggar. Now, who sinned that he is born this way? And, and basically what they're saying is, who's at fault here? Why did this happen? Was it his fault or was it his parents' fault? It, it was somebody's fault that he was born blind like that. And Jesus said, no, you, you have it totally wrong. He was born the way he was to bring glory to God. Now, we look at that as we say, but yes, but he's got this handicap. And he said, no, he is the way God created him. You are the way God created it, you. Some of you wear glasses. Some of you have medical conditions. You are the way God created you. Why? That you might bring glory to God in the situation that you're given. Not to say, why has this happened to me? But to ask the question, what now? Given the circumstances that you have in your life, what now? How will you, how will you respond? How do you respond to the conditions that are given to you? So Jesus tells a, a parable, and, and that's what I wanted to spend our time with today. Jesus tells a parable. A parable is a story that allows you to see the story, but there's a deep underlying spiritual truth that helps us get to the core of who we are by looking at this story. So Jesus tells this story about building on on a rock. This is found in in Matthew chapter 7. Now Jesus said, Now therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice 
is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of God for the people of God. So what are we to make of, of Jesus's? Now, you know, Jesus is trying to say, so listen to what I say and, and build your house on a solid foundation. It seems fairly straightforward. But if you think about it, how do you know at any given time if you are currently on a solid rock or on shifting sand, the foundation, right? Oftentimes, the foundation, if you will, is below grade level. You, oftentimes, in our homes, in most of our homes, you can't see what the foundation is on. You can't just look at it and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that I'm building on shifting sand. I know that my foundation is solid. If it's that, how do you know? They all look the same. When, when life is good, your foundations all look the same. How do you test the security or the truth of your foundation, of what you really believe? Not what's just above the ground, not what's just resting on the foundation, but how can we really know what your true, honest-to-goodness foundation really, really is? How do you know that? And Jesus tells us. He said, for the good house and the bad house, they're, they're not being punished one house is not better than the other, but both of them go through the same circumstances. And he tells us, he said, when the rains come down, the rains will come, the streams will rise, and the winds will blow. That's going to happen in your life and the lives of those that are around you. It's going to happen, right? You, you know that. Uh, and Jesus is saying that in your normal, the way you live, it is going to be tested by the circumstances of life. This is just the way the system is. He said, now, when that happens, that's when the foundations come into play. When the sun is shining, you're prosperous, your health is good, families are great, things are going well, you don't really pay any attention to the foundation. It's really not that relevant. Everything is good. But he said, pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Be aware of what you're building on because there will come a time. And that's why we spend time talking about the difficult things of life because most of the time we want to ignore it, right? What is the most common way people deal with suffering? What is the most common way people deal with suffering? Denial. Denial is the first part of grief. It is the part that says it's not going to really happen. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. We deny that it's really happening to us. Whenever Jesus is talking about this parable, he said it's going to happen to you and it's going to test your foundation. And he said the, the problem is if, if your house, if your life is built on a, a shifting foundation, not only will topple, but it falls with a, a mighty, it collapses. And many of you have seen on TV, like in Florida, 
Florida has a lot of a limestone foundation that gets eaten away by, by the water. And so these huge sinkholes. And, and so people build. Now, I'm, I'm told that oftentimes if you're going to build on a new strip of land, you have to have it tested to find out what's down below it. Because the ground can just automatically open up and swallow houses and cars and the whole thing because you don't know what's down below. What we do as we gather here is, is not just what do you do for a living, but what is the undergirding of your life? What are the things that, that are running? What are the currents that are running beneath the, servant, beneath the surface, beneath the veneer of a, of a well-worn smile? The thing that Jesus is trying to tell us as we get into all of this is the, the first thing that we have to understand is that we are overcomers. We, we have the strength. Jesus tells us in John chapter, um, chapter 16, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now in this world, you're going to have trouble. Now think about this. Jesus did not come to say, I am here to take away all of your problems. If you become a Christian, you won't have any problems anymore. As long as you go to church and, and you, you serve, your problems will all fade away, right? It's, it's fire insurance. No, no more problems. Jesus said, I have come that in me you may have peace. Because in this world, in, in your life that you live, you're going to have trouble. Accept that. As a matter of fact, for the disciples and the early church, there was, there was horrendous persecution. We have no idea what persecution is in this country. We have no idea how hard other people in other parts of the world have to suffer for their faith. He said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. We, therefore, are part of that legacy. We recognize that because of our faith, even though we go through difficult times, even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I have not been abandoned. So there's a couple of things that I want us to learn when we go through difficult times. Whenever we struggle, whenever we think about what those circumstances are that are facing us. The first thing is that troubles are not abnormal. Now this is probably the most difficult thing for most people. When they're in the midst of a difficulty and a trial, and I'm hoping that not just for you, but for a friend or a neighbor, inevitably, when somebody is going through a serious time of difficulty and of trouble and of suffering, what have I done? Why am I being singled out? Why is this happening to me? As Christians, we have to acknowledge you are not abnormal. You are not a bad person. God has not rejected you. God is not ignoring you. God knows exactly where you are. Your troubles are not abnormal. Sometimes, though, troubles do serve a purpose. They do help us reorient ourselves to what's important. Oftentimes, we think that the most important thing for us is our house and our job and our career. And sometimes when that's challenged and, and we get maybe bad medical news, we all of a sudden realize that stuff that we were trusting in really is not as important as we thought it was going to be. We have put our trust in the wrong things. And all of a sudden, those things betray us. They can't help us now. Our job and our career can't help us now. What am I going to do? Sometimes they help us reorient ourselves. 
But ultimately, what Jesus is telling us is that our troubles can be overcome by faith. We have to believe in something bigger than that. It's something calling us to a higher level, something that is drawing us to a greater purpose in our lives. We believe that God has a purpose for our lives, that He's calling us to do and to be something more than what we imagine. I found this quote that I've often used, that sometimes God calms the storms, but sometimes God lets the storm rage and He calms the child. Sometimes, you know, we, we say, you know, God, take away this pain or take away this, this burden, take away this illness, whatever it is. And sometimes God just wants to walk with us through that valley. Sometimes we all have to go through that valley. I think as soon as we can come to that realization that that's really a part of our lives, that's really a part of who we are, that when it comes, we're not shocked by it, we're not dismayed, we don't feel that we're being singled out and that somehow God is being unkind. Sometimes God just wants to calm you and say, trust me, come, follow me. The second thing I want us to understand is that sometimes what we have to do is we have to move from walking to running to dancing. Now, here's the thing, and, and for all of you that have children or grandchildren, you've had this experience, right? That they go from this crawling stage to the toddler stage, and there's all those times when we've always taken the child, and they'll cling on to your fingers, and they'll take those first tentative steps, but then there's times as a parent, what do you have to do? You have to remove the hands. And sometimes they have to learn to stumble on their own. Imagine if you felt so frightened that the child would, would get hurt that you just surrounded it. You'd never let them go on their own. They would always be kind of handicapped because they never learned to walk on their own. Because they can't learn to run and they can't learn the joy of running until they've learned to walk. Or, or learn to dance, to, to embrace another person in this, this you know, rhythmical rhythm of, of dancing together. One of the things that I've always learned is that walking is an engineering marvel. If you ever think about it, right? You, you know, if you've ever watched TV shows where they're trying to teach a robot how to, how to walk, it's just a, a, an, an engineering marvel to try and get the balance of weight and everything. Walking is an engineering marvel, but serving is a downright miracle. For you to learn to give of yourself generously without, you know, unselfishly, to serve other people, to, to recognize that you have gifts and graces that you can give to somebody without asking anything in return is a downright miracle. Sometimes we have to go through difficult things in order for us to learn how to walk and then how to run and then how to truly dance, how to experience God's grace. And sometimes it takes us time to, to break away from all of those things that hold on to our lives. If you've ever been around little kids, and I know that you all have as, as they grow up, they get all of these bumps and bruises, right? I mean, that's almost the way kids are. They have scrapes on their knees and on their elbows because they're learning to run and they're learning how to develop their motor skills. And sometimes those hurt and sometimes they come home crying and bloody 
but that's part of their growing process. That's part of how we grow. We know that. We just hate it when it happens to us. So we learn that God is also inviting us into the dance. God is inviting you into that bigger story. But in order for us to do that, we have to separate ourselves from the things that are holding you to this earth. And sometimes that can be very painful. But God is always faithful and always there. God has never abandoned us. And we have to always be here to understand that. And finally, we have to understand that wisdom is intentional. And what I mean by that is what Jesus is saying is we have to learn and we have to think about from time to time every Sunday, where is my life? Where am I in this relationship? Am I still building on the sand? You, you know, just think about that. Or am I building on something solid? When it, it, when it hurts, observe what's going on because life is trying to teach you something. Whenever you feel that tug of grief, oftentimes it's because of misplaced loyalty. For example, if you think about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was in Rome, and he had been condemned by, by Caesar to death. And Paul is thinking about it. He said, I don't know how to pray. He said, I'm struggling. He said, because if I die, that's to my benefit. I go to be with Jesus for all eternity. He said, but if I stay then I can continue to do ministry for the people that are around me. He said, I'm struggling. Should I, should I be praying for death that I may go with Jesus or should I be praying for life that I can continue to do the work that he's given me? Now, how many of us have that kind of struggle? How many of us have that, that honesty of recognizing you know, the, the best thing that can happen for us is to live eternally with Jesus? In Proverbs chapter 9, it says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Whenever we go through difficult times and we go through suffering, we, we are expected to learn something from those experiences. What have you learned about life from the last funeral that you went to? What have you learned from the last time you went to visit a friend in the hospital? What have you learned from the last time you went to visit somebody that was going through a relationship breakup? What is it that God has been teaching you about you? What is it that God is teaching us? Now, when the sun is shining, life is good, there's no worries, there's no big difference between a house that's on the sand and a house that's on the rock. But Jesus makes it abundantly clear, and we know this intuitively, that the winds will come, the rains will fall, the streams will rise. Some point in our lives, that crisis is going to come, and it'll test what we're, we're made of. Wouldn't it be prudent for us from time to time to gather and say, so what is my life based on? Is it based on my bank account, my career, my possessions? Or is it based on something much deeper? I am so excited that this Sunday we have people that, that are going deeper, that have made that choice to say, I'm going to become part of something that's going to change my life, change my family, and with my help, change the world. I've always liked this. Hopefully you can see it. I'm stronger because I had to be. I am smarter because of my mistakes. I am happier because of the sadness that I have known. 
And I am more loving because I have known loneliness. But I am wiser because I have trusted God's heart. Sometimes we go through suffering because we have to learn how to walk on our own, how to, how to run, and ultimately how to dance, how to let God lead in the journey that we're a part of. Next Sunday, as we kind of get back on our rhythm, we're going to go back and start talking about the book of Job. We're going to go back in, we're going to talk about the comforters. What does it mean to be a good comforter? What does it mean to be a really bad comforter? What does it mean for Job to hear God out of the whirlwind? What do you think God would say to you out of the whirlwind when He comes and He speaks to Job? Sometimes it's not always what we think it's going to be. But for us, it's time whether you're ready to go deeper into that book. It's an adult book. It's not something that is, is light or easy to get through. But its lessons are so profound and so personal. I hope that you'll come back and that you'll invite somebody to be a part of it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that you invite us to this place to experience all that you have for us, the future. And Father, we pray that for anybody that is here, that is suffering or going through a difficult time, that you will, you will grant them your peace and your presence among us, that we may walk with them and guide them and bring them safely to the other shore. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.